Welcome to Let's Go GHO podcast. This is Dr. Trish Burgess, the Director of Global Health Outreach. And today we are going to be speaking with Stavros Ignacio. He was born in Nicosia, Cyprus. Both of his parents committed their lives to Jesus when he was 10 years old. At the age of 13, due to the Turkish invasion in Cyprus, he and his family lost all they had and became refugees in their own country. After finishing his mandatory military service, he went to Lee College and graduated with a Bachelor of Science. During his first year at Lee, he felt the calling of God on his life. After graduation, he returned to Athens, Greece, where he assumed responsibilities as an assistant pastor. In 1996, he founded Athens Christian Center, and a few years later, Nicosia Christian Center. He later earned a Master's in Global Leadership from Fuller Seminary in California and a Doctorate in Intercultural Studies. Today, Stavros is serving Athens Christian Center along with traveling for ministry purposes, mainly in the Balkans and Middle East. In 2016, he started a distribution center helping the poor and the refugee, which later became a charity named Created Equal. Currently, Stavros assumed responsibilities as a director of Helping Hands in Athens, Greece, a charity offering humanitarian aid to thousands of Farsi and Dari-speaking refugees. In early 2019, GHO went to serve the refugees with Pastor Stavros and Athens Christian Center. I hope you enjoy hearing from Pastor Stavros, who not only serves refugees, but had an experience early in his life as a refugee. Okay, so Pastor Stavros, thank you for joining me. Can you start first just by telling us a little bit about your church and the ministry there in Athens, Greece? Our church is called Athens Christian Center, and it was founded by uh, my wife and I in, back in, in 1996. At that time, we had a lot of uh, immigration from Albania. Uh, so our church from the beginning was uh, influenced or impacted by immigrants. Of course, they are not the same immigrants as we have today, people running from war, but these people from Albania is because they are the communistic regime fought and everybody wanted to get out and get uh, alive. So we had in Athens at that point about 900,000 Albanian people. It was the second largest Albanian city outside of Albania because their capital was like 1 million, Tirana. And then you have 900,000 people in Greece and maybe all of them were in Athens. And we started ministering with the refugees at that point, with the Albanians at that point. Wow, that's interesting. And Roughly what year was that? Or years? Na- when it was in the 90s. It was in the 90s. Yes. Okay. But many of the Albanians, we came to our church and uh, been ministered to. And you know, Albania officially is a Muslim country. And it's the only country that they are uh, ex-dictator uh, publicly claiming as the only atheist country in the world. You can even Google that and find out about this. But uh, when they came out, they were so hungry for God. And talking 25 years later, when I go to Albania, I find guys who came to our church and they are now pastoring. So from the beginning, we knew that when missions came to us, because usually mission is like going to all the nations and make Mm -hmm. disciples. In this case, the disciples came to us. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they were just outside our doors and they came up, they wanted help and God actually helped us. We uh, 
did the best we could. And of course, I had a heart for the nations all the time. I, I like when God called me into the ministry, uh, he impressed me to preach the gospel. And I thought that was ministry. But when even I was a young kid, I, my heart ached for the poor. I wanted to help the poor. I mean, before I knew about the gospel, even though I was in a Christian family, when I see a beggar, I want to help them. I don't care how they got there. I don't even say, some people say, don't give them money because they manipulate you. I said, no, if they are begging, they need money. They, they got there somewhere. Mm-hmm. from somewhere and they don't have a hot shower like me they don't have a hot meal they are living out in the street but they are mental it doesn't matter they need something so i have always sincerely that kid got put compassion for for the vulnerable for the for the poor and uh, then when i came into the ministry i understood that my first uh responsibility was to the poor and of course jesus when he started his ministry he said I have good news for the poor. That's his first sentence that he said at there at the synagogue in Nazareth. So, uh, yeah, so, since then, uh, we had many Albanians getting saved. And as I said, many of them are pastors. Many of them got baptized uh, in water. And uh, many of them, um, I performed many Albanian marriages. Now in Albania, we, have, we started a Christian school. I go back and forth all the time. I'm teaching Bible school there and everything now. And also we are sending staff to Albanian gypsies now. Oh, wow. We are helping them. Yeah, we are helping them with things. Yeah, this is what we do with Albania. So uh, to make the long story short, then uh, the crisis with uh, Syrian war started. We just jumped right into it. One reason, Dr. Trish, that I am doing that is not only that I have a heart for the poor, but it's also... I don't know if you are familiar with my, I'm I'm originally from Cyprus. And Cyprus uh, was under, uh, uh, we went through a war when I was 13 years old. And in one day, we lost all of our properties and I became a refugee myself. And that experience really helped me relate to the people who run away from war because I know how they feel. I can't imagine. I know how. I yeah. can't imagine a better way to be empathetic and sympathetic to them. Did yeah. you have to learn, or do you remember, it's, since it's been so long, um, was it a struggle to learn how to minister to the refugees as far as sharing the gospel and, and a way in which they would be willing to listen to you? Did you have some lessons in that early on? My approach from the beginning was like, uh, you know, I consider myself as an evangelist, but when it came to refugees, of, especially of different religion, I was kind of, and I, I was also surprised by myself because I think it was the Holy Spirit that was with me like that or putting something into my heart that I didn't know it was there. Just love them. I, I was not a man of too many words when it comes to theology. You have to give your heart to Jesus or using those standard cliche that we call evangelism. But at the end of the day, I came to the conclusion that maybe people don't understand my theological language, but they understand love. And love drew them near and actually caused them to ask questions. And this is, I think, a universal principle. Many people in many religions, not only Islam, they are born into a box and they learn not to ask questions because they accept the status quo. The minute you make somebody thinking and make the, I mean, when you 
you cause them to think, that's half the way through. Mm. If they start thinking something else, something outside of the box, there is the bite. So many people just came because first, not because we were proactive in preaching, but proactive in action. And then they took the next step and asked, why do you guys do this? Mm -hmm. You are Christians and we are expecting you. We have been expecting you to be our worst enemies and you are proved to be our best friends. You bring doctors. You bring food. The doctors are paying their own way to come, you guys. What is this? We've never seen this in our context, they say. And then from there, you take it from there. <laughs> it sounds like a beautiful way to do ministry. Um, yes, it I is. I've served in other areas of the Middle East, and one of them in particular, I remember the pastor telling us that when he felt burdened on his heart to start serving the refugees, about 80% of his church left because they didn't want to serve the refugees. They wanted to focus on themselves and their community. Did you have any struggles with your church early on as you began to do more and more ministry with the refugees? In the beginning, I did. In the early beginning. But then because... And, and when, you know, in the beginning, we had only Greeks. But later on, after two, three years, and I, I was a young pastor, and I've been pastoring for the last 30 years now. I was like 27 when I took over the church, and then we started our own, of course. But in the beginning, people did not feel very comfortable with other kinds of people, and they have left. But then, when we started our own church, Athens Christian Center, people were taught from the beginning that we love them and nations, and here everybody is welcome. So we brought our church from the beginning on the right foundation. And now I have no problems. Actually, when we don't have other nations, people are wondering why other people are not coming. <laughs> That's wonderful. But it, it, it's something that we we are very careful to implement in the church from the right from its birth we love the nations they hear that they hear that every sunday every sunday we love the nations we love the stranger we love the refugee so everybody knows wonderful i remember yeah. coming to your church and serving last year with gho for the first time and the yeah. sermon you preached i'll never forget but i remember you talked about how you used to think that short-term missions were expensive and you thought you would be better off if they just sent the money instead of took all that, all that money to come. What changed? I said that. My mind changed because I started doing short, short mission trips. And I understood that this is the principle of the gospel. Sometimes, you know, we think, okay, the only thing we need is money. And, and you know what, Dr. Trish, I was thinking lately that if you give me people and a purpose and finances, I can do things that look like church, mm -hmm. but without the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit really brings a, a, a certainty in me, like a, what do you call that? Like a conviction mm -hmm. that God is moving with missionaries. He sent Paul, he sent Barnabas to be missionaries. And when I see me as a missionary going with own, my, my own team in Bulgaria, Albania, Israel, Jordan, because I travel to these places very, very often. And I see how much 
people need to see something different from another nation and they respond and the help that you offer to the local pastors like a fresh air, it's like a fresh breeze mm-hmm. when a missionary comes, a true missionary. Because for me, missionary is not just somebody who is sent there and he has a demand how to do it, but a missionary is something who comes, somebody who comes from another country and say, how can I serve you in your country? And he brings a fresh, you know, air. And then they minister to the Greeks and they are open and it, they are doing a thing that money cannot buy. I mean, I can have the money and I still don't, cannot touch people because it's people who is touching people. Right, right. And, uh, and that about, really changed my mind, yes. Yeah, we talked about showing agape love that way. Um, when you yeah. care for someone who has no chance, no ability to repay you, or even you may never see again, and what a profound yeah. impact that can have on their heart. Yeah. yeah, it's true. How would you say short-term medical mission team like GHO coming alongside your church and your ministry has enhanced your ministry to the refugees? Enormously. I mean, people are watching. I am very surprised when people say we are watching you, when you don't know they do. Sometimes we go on our way and we think, and we are, sometimes it works both ways. Sometimes we are careless and forgetful of how things, of how people are observing every little detail, whatever we say and whatever we do. So when you guys show up in your medical robes and equipment, and it smells like medicine in the church, and like a hospital, and they see you, and they see us opening our facility, and you coming all the way from America on your expenses. You don't even have to treat them, I'm telling you. Just because you are there, it's incredible what they, that can do in their hearts. Just being watching somebody who comes from the, from the, from the other part of the, of the and especially, you know why doctors? Doctors, in their mind, in my mind, in the Middle East area, we think, okay, American doctors, these people are rich, man. I mean, come on. Why should they come out from the States? I want to go to the States and live forever. And this guy <laughs> is living, because in their mind, they are living paradise. Because compared to the, what they have, is kind of paradise. Mm-hmm. When you live in the States, you don't think this is paradise. But when you see it from, a, from their perspective, it's paradise. Right? Mm-hmm. So they live from their little nice homes and they come here on their own expenses to treat me what is this i mean this is a huge question but it's touching their heart and your presence there it affects my ministry and my ways because you come and go i stay but they still have the taste of that clinic you leave a taste behind you you leave an odor behind you you leave a beautiful smell behind you, know? Aroma, People, yes. Aroma, exactly. A beautiful aroma behind you that, okay, wow, these people love us. Even though they don't understand all the practicalities that you go through, for me, it's even a bigger blessing. Because I know the administration and all the things that we have to go through and blah, 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 blah. And we could, you know, just be, I mean, who asks us to do this, right? We don't have to. Mm-hmm. But we go the extra mile 
And we do this because this is about, not about us, it's about him and about his kingdom, right? right. But that, and, I, and it brings also, I mean, the, the impact that you bring to my congregation is also enormous because they see you guys. And um, <laughs> I, I wish I'd have you here, <laughs> have you in my church every month. <laughs> and again, the needs are incredible. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite memories about serving in your church last year was uh, one of the refugees came every single day and she sat in the triage area and just watched. And it really impacted her, not just how we were treating our patients, but treating each other. So I always caution my teams, they're watching you. They're not watching just your, their interaction with, you, with them, but with everyone else. But this woman finally talked to one of the translators and said, you guys are so kind and you smile and you're friendly and you touch each other on the shoulder and look each other in the eye. And she said, we don't see that in my country. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. And it mm -hmm. opened her up. And eventually she, later that last day, we were there, accepted Christ as her savior. Mm -hmm. So it is a good reminder of how much, just how you act um, in small mm -hmm. ways can make a difference. So yeah. that's one of my favorite memories. Do you have a particular special memory of serving the refugees that you could share with us? Yeah, I have many, many memories. And uh, I'm coming from a background that, you know, I was very proactive in preaching. I thought that, okay, you need, this is the only way, but it's not the only way after all. Because I know theology and I know how we can get very particular in theology and, mm -hmm. and to make a point and then make a division between us. <laughs> right. <laughs> but all these years I was preaching the gospel and then when I stopped preaching, I saw more results than when I was preaching. I remember one time, listen to this, Dr. Trish, and I know you're a doctor and I, my first degree is in science, biology. Mm. And I'm a practical mind, you know. Of course, I did my theology, I did my intercultural studies, whatever. But I'm a practical guy, you know. I, I like to think. What I see, this is what this. You know, this is, this is there is a reality. But then again, the Bible says, look up, because there is a different, more dominant reality to our reality. So one day I was in the port of Athens when the refugees were arriving. And this guy came, honest to God on his wheelchair. You know, I never seen anybody like that before. I didn't have any experience like that. So I went and touched him on his soldier, so, uh, shoulder, and I just, hello, how are you doing? But inside, I was praying. You know what happened? He what? stood up. He wow. Stood up. And it was a miracle that I, I didn't even pray out loud because they actually asked us, don't you dare pray there because the government was involved. And they didn't want us to come there and do proselytizing. Because mm -hmm. that's how they take you. You give them food, you change them to your faith. And this guy was healed instantly like that. And I don't see miracles like that in my life. Every day, you know. But it was like, I was wow. I said, this is God. This is God. Just the love of God. What can do to a person? He can even recover his uh, his health in a way that I don't understand. I saw a miracle that day. It was incredible. This is one of the biggest. I tell that everywhere I go, because that's right. a huge memory for me. 
Yeah. Right. If you connect uh, of with course. one yeah. person, it makes a difference. Yeah. But of course, we have other memories of people coming closer to the Lord and uh, inquiring that this little lady that you said that she was observing many people. We have many situations like that. People come and ask you. I remember one day she said like this. She came and she said, she was almost panicking. She said, I'm ready to leave Islam. I was, I kind of, I was scared myself. <laughs> she was so, so eager to leave Islam. I said, come down, let me talk to you about it. <laughs> but some people get desperate. And then another thing that I, I know is like this. Um, we have many young people who are getting saved Islam, from Islam and become Christians. And we actually teach them not to say anything. But we cannot contain them. So this is dangerous, you guys. Remember, your families are still Muslims and everything. This is dangerous. Don't say anything. Just keep quiet. You cannot keep quiet. My youth, I mean, the Western kind of youth, I had them sitting down the other day. I said, guys, do you witness in your school about Christ? They said, pastor, we're going to be honest with you. We don't want to lose our friends, so we keep our mouth. Because, you know, we have Orthodox here. And anything that Orthodox is not nice. And then they cut you off you segregated because of the state religion, you know, and, and I don't have anything about the orthodoxy, but they are scared to say, okay, I'm born again. I was touched by that. They cannot say that because people, oh, you're weird, man. Yeah. But this people from a Muslim background, they don't want to be careful. That's fascinating. And then they're putting their, their lives on the line, actually. But yes, it is fascinating. Well, it sounds like such a precious and wonderful ministry you have there. And I appreciate you taking the time to share with us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank thank you. you for letting me share it, yes. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Pastor Savros and his work at the Athens Christian Center. Our trip this year to Athens, Greece was canceled due to COVID-19. We were hoping to reschedule for this fall, but that has not been possible. We will be planning to go back again next year. If you're interested in this trip or any of our other mission trips, you can visit cmda.org gho. And hopefully I'll be seeing you on the mission field and you will be hearing, let's go gho. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.